We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Sunday night after the Chargers' one and only scrimmage. Feels like a normal football is back kind of Sunday. You know, we're doing this in the evening, so uh, feels good to be here. Feels good to talk about an actual like football event. I know it's not a game, <laughs> but you know, we had some real like physicality in tonight's practice, so I'm excited to dive into it. And uh, joining me, of course, is our Man on the ground, Mr. Tyler Shunge, a.k.a. Chinese bootleg for tonight. Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. It was nice to see some real, quote-unquote, real Chargers football out there. People tackling, sort of. People hitting, sort of. People blocking, <laughs> sort of. But it was still great to get that sort of. An amazing turnout from the fan base. I could not, yeah. like, we were approaching hazard. I was surprised that they let that many people in. I thought at some point... They would actually ask people to leave. It was packed. Like whatever photos you've seen of previous practices, this was way, way more packed. Like everyone was scrunched in and I loved it. I hope that many people show up for games this year. Yeah, absolutely. You love to hear that kind of stuff. And I think it just be, is a more intimate environment, right? Because last year the scrimmage was at SoFi. I'm sure that was a lot of fun. Wish I could have attended there um, in person, but. Uh, you know, getting to be able to attend that kind of scrimmage and, uh, you know, thankfully they played on the closer side of the field tonight so we could get uh, lots of information. So uh, shout out to Tyler for crushing that. And of course, uh, I have to give a shout out to Dan Wade. Uh, I was retweeting him a lot. Dan mm -hmm. Wade from uh, Locked On Chargers was doing a great job as well. 
and uh, everybody else that was um, retweeting some stuff like that. So I know Nick Cothrill from Sports Illustrated had some good updates as well. So uh, it was a productive evening from that standpoint. Um, in terms of just the the pace of play and the and you know Brandon Stidley always likes to talk about the operation of things before we dive into some news and notes. How did you feel in terms of just like the overall um, product, I guess, like the quality of, of what mm-hmm. you were able to watch tonight? It was great. They ended up going 10 full drives and then a series of red zone drives, two minute drills. So they got a lot done and there were still enough special teams. And when you only have two kickers, one punter, it was just two kickers and one punter instead of two different punters, three different kickers having to try different things. It was pretty efficient. Uh, Fortunately, it was really compact, even though they went over. Unfortunately, many of the you know, roster bubble, bubble guys didn't even get a shot. You know, Brandon Peters didn't throw at all. The undrafted free agent running backs didn't even get a series until the very, very end for three minutes. Um, so it wasn't much there for them, but it's still a really nice tight practice. They ran a lot of hurry up, not just in the, you know, the two minute period, uh, but also throughout the game. So it was moving really, really fast. And I could have watched another two hours. Yeah. From a physicality standpoint, obviously there was the one uh, Xander Horvath hit, I don't think Manoid had a, had a good physical yeah. tackle for loss as well. Did you feel like it was kind of ramped up a little bit more than the other practices that you had watched? Yeah, it definitely ramped up more. I've only watched two padded practices, so not sure if it got testy. I want to say there were three or four pushing and shoving moments too. Like guys were trying to get some stuff out. It was always the lineman. I believe yeah. Zion's helmet got knocked off and he oh. got into a scuffle with Sebastian Joseph Day. They threw Ooh. flags. I want to say Joseph Day was the one that was flagged. Um, but yeah, Zion Johnson as a rookie, helmet off, he was getting into it. I, I'm pretty sure it was him versus Sebastian Joseph Day. And, you know, nothing, nothing violent, but, you know, nothing Trevor Penny esque. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. No. <laughs> well, that's good. Love to hear it. I mean, the fact that this is kind of the most intense practice, I'm not surprised at all that there were some, was some pushing and shoving. Uh, you know, our guy Ryan Hunter, uh, quickly making some noise for himself, had a little bit of a, a skirmish as well. With um, which defensive lineman was that one? Talking about yesterday's no, today, today, uh, I guess there was a moment where he he knocked somebody over and that guy did not. Oh, it was Andrew Brown. Andrew Brown didn't appreciate it, I guess. Oh, and I uh, yes. stood up and uh-huh. was pushing and shoving a little bit, so yeah, uh, love to see that kind of stuff. That that kind of stuff is absolutely acceptable. Whatever the hell Trevor 100%. Penning is doing in Northern doing in New Orleans is is too much. Doing mm-hmm. too much down there, my guy. Yeah, I didn't fear for anybody's life or ACLs <laughs> today, so I think it was a pretty good level. Well, there we go. There we go. So um, appreciate the insight there, just in terms of the product, the pace, the physicality. Um, so tonight we are going to do uh, just some update on some news and notes. We'll talk about Tyler's impressions in terms of. Uh, standouts, schematics, whatever uh, direction he wants to go. And then we will take some uh, questions as well at the end. So um, do ask that you, if you have like a, a relevant question to what we're talking about, of course, you can an- you can ask it. Um, we will always answer the super chats, but try and save the, the good questions that are really on your mind towards the end of the show. We'll make sure to get to those. Um, so in terms of the health updates, I know you tweeted out a bunch of players that were not practicing basically the whole linebacker core is injured at this point <laughs> um brandon staley did seem to indicate that drew tranquil should be practicing at some point this week as well that as kyle sense. vanoy um both mm-hmm. of those players just doing with some uh minor soft tissue I- injuries he he did say the same thing for nick neiman as well 
um, but did not necessarily quantify how long he's going to be out. Uh, didn't really provide an update on Trey McKitty. He did say that they expect Donald Parham to miss at least one week of practice, uh, potentially coming okay. back next week, which is pretty standard, I feel like, with the way that they have kind of operated with a hamstring injury. And, of course, mm-hmm. that means uh, more reps for other players. Um, did also say that Kenneth Murray is progressing well uh, in his recovery back. Um, there was somebody messaged us in our Discord and said that, I guess, Kenneth Murray was uh, signing autographs yesterday. Somebody in the stands asked him if he was going to be ready for week one. And Kenneth laughed and said, yeah, of course. So we'll see that when we believe it, of course. But I feel like the Donald Parham injury is kind of the most notable one from uh, this evening. Yeah, as far as I could tell, I mean, he was out there. He looked fine. There was one, you know, ace bandage looking wrap around his hamstring. Didn't seem to be anything that was too concerning. But of course, yeah, it is concerning. They're going to hold him out for a week. But I didn't think, you know, oh, torn ACL or blown out Achilles was nothing like that. Um, everything seems to be in the bump and bruises sort of category, with the exception of, um, oh, my gosh, what's his name from Old Dominion? Stone Smart and, of course, oh, Kenneth yeah. Murray. So yeah. those and maybe Mark Webb, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah. Drew Tranquil was very close to practicing. It seemed like um, yesterday in full pads, just didn't actually practice him coming back. Expect that Kyle Van Noy, expect him back. It was just a real shame watching all the linebackers slowly just get end up on the sideline. I mean, Murray's already out. Tranquil is out. Neiman was out. Van Noy was out. And I, I joked like, like at some point I'm going to be playing linebacker because <laughs> they're just running out of linebackers. So, I mean, the good news is Amen Ogbongamigo was a standout today. I thought Damon Lloyd has been standing out. He was kind of a standout today. So that was really good to see. Like the guys behind him are still standing out, but like – I would love for these linebackers to start getting a little bit more healthy because I don't even know how they'll construct the roster if they aren't. Yeah, so they won't practice again until Wednesday. So they have the next two days off, or at least uh, public practices. I, I assume they're not practicing tomorrow for sure. Um, so they'll have some some updates there. But So the, the, the two starting linebackers were Eamon and Lloyd, and do they pretty much take every single rep tonight or, or anybody else? Oh, Troy Reader was out there as well. Okay, all right. So Eamon and Reader were the first guys out there. Then Lloyd... And I, I want to say there was another linebacker. Oh, probably Tyreek Maddox-Williams. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Reader and Ogbang were the starters today. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, did Kyle, I know it seemed like he was about ready. You said he was in pads yesterday and then just didn't practice, right? Yeah. I mean, I've speculated it's just been veteran rest days. There's something, I guess. But to me, like, he seems fine. He goes through the walkthroughs with Derwin James. He sometimes is in pads, and I, I thought he was going to practice yesterday, and then he just didn't. So just seems like a guy that's going to play a lot more inside linebacker than he expected heading into the year. Give yeah. him some time off. He doesn't need to be out there as much. Get some of the younger guys involved, so not concerned. I was surprised that he went three days in a row, I think, without practicing, but it seems like it's a nothing burger right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, for what it's worth, apparently Joey Bosa had a blister that he was uh, dealing with on his heel. Um, I guess it was um, nagging at him, but I, I feel, he was out there tonight. I feel like he was still playing, and um, he was wrecking practice yesterday, apparently. So I don't know really how much it's impacting him. Of course, you know if you've played football, you know what a training camp blister on your heel is like, and it's, just, it's no fun. But, uh, yeah, hopefully Joey's okay. 
Yeah, got to be nasty. I, I don't expect it to be a huge problem. Again, he can totally sit out and all's good till that blister's healed up because that sucks. That yeah. first pop, then the raw skin. Like, nah, that's that is yeah. not fun. So, you know, rest up, Joey. Prayers up for you. I remember one um, I, when I was playing high school football, we still had to do two a days. Oh, you yeah. Know, now you can't do two a days. Um, but I, you know, I Wait, feel really? like. Yeah, you can't do two a days anywhere. I mean, I feel like in probably Texas, you probably still can, but you can't do two a days anywhere anymore because it's just it's not safe for the kids and or any level of football really. Uh, nobody nobody is, told me that one. <laughs> yeah, dude, you can't do two a days. I uh, I was fully expecting when I started coaching middle school football, I was like, hey, like let's do some two a days, and the coach was like, no, we can't do that anymore. It's not allowed. And I was like, so is, is Hell Week just like practice? Yeah. Um, at least for for coaching purposes, when I was doing the middle school football thing, um, the the hell week was like practicing from uh, four to six. So okay. that's like the hottest time here in Fresno in August, uh, as okay. opposed to like waiting until later in the night or early in the yeah. morning. So uh, yeah, no no more two days. But one year when I was I want to say when I was like a sophomore, I had a blister on like each heel, one of my big toes, and at that point you're just like. You're walking on the outside of your feet. You're just trying to stay off your feet as much as possible. Blisters are are definitely no fun. But, uh, yeah, you can push through it, of course. Of course. <laughs> Get better, Joey. <laughs> yeah, Thomas points out, two-a-days builds character. Uh, depends what kind of character you're trying to build. <laughs> I think it builds character for some people. It also makes the entire offensive defensive line throw up. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if that's character yeah. building, hey. All the old school stuff that quote unquote builds character also drives people to quit sports and and hate it. So I'm, I'm glad we're away from that. Um, all right, we'll get to some takeaways here. I think the place that I would like to start with, and we'll get some of your thoughts here. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeAndre Carter, man, continues to show out and looks fantastic. Apparently caught a, a few deep passes tonight as well. Um, Brandon Staley was asked about that, and he's been very vocal in his support and praise of DeAndre Carter, the receiver. Uh, you tweeted this out that it kind of seems like Carter is even wide receiver four at this point and has moved ahead of Jalen Guyton, uh, you know, much more productive. Of course, we've talked about all the deep passes that have come up short for Jalen Guyton and, and everything that certainly plays a role right. there. Uh, how did Mr. DeAndre Carter look to you tonight? Fantastic. Um, there's one particular ball, that deep shot, I think it was 33 yards, split the two safeties from Justin Herbert. I, I can't believe he didn't score. I guess they touched him down at the the one or the two, uh, but he yeah. finished. He led the entire team in receiving yards. He had five catches, five targets, 69 yards. Nice. He looked like the, <laughs> and that's not including the rushes. I think he had two rushing attempts and I might've missed one. I'll go back and review the footage and whatnot to see what the numbers were, but um, led the only person to cross 50 yards today. He looked fantastic. And, you know, for perspective, Jalen Guyton had five yards today. I don't know if he had more targets i have him right now as one target for five yards and it was either a comeback or a check down or something again i'll watch the film um, but deandre carter 69 yards led everybody on the team today some of that sure does come against the second team but to see that chemistry with herbert um, he's had six touchdowns the last three days of practice or whatever it is again with the second team but holy moly so i think bef- like sometime this week you could have said okay there seems to be a competition between Guyton and Carter for who's going to be wide receiver four today, man. Like just considering that one had 64 yards more than the other, 
it really looks like Carter has a legit shot to be wide receiver four. And considering what he can do all over the field, you know, Jalen Guyton, I just feel is not relegated to boundary receiver work. And if you look at his receiving chart, that's kind of what he is. Corner, go, flat, out, that sort of thing. Yeah. Not a whole lot over the middle, except for, of course, the greatest throw we've seen from Justin Herbert. But otherwise, Carter just seems to be able to access more points at the field. And he did today. He has been. He looks fantastic. If they were taking a wide receiver at 17 and that plan didn't work out for them, I'm not going to say I'm glad it, it didn't go that way. But they have Zion, who looked fantastic. And this Carter guy, man, like I, I thought Alex was kind of joking when he said he was a breakout <laughs> candidate. And frankly, yeah. we'll see. But Alex so far is absolutely right about Carter being a, a breakout candidate, at least as, as compared to his regular role. Because if what we're seeing this past week is an indication of what's to come, I mean, he he looks fantastic. So I'm really excited to see yeah. what he does in the future. Yeah, I would I would think that Al, even Alex would say that he's been uh, surprised by his production as well. And, and again, just the way that he's been producing, you know, him catching a, a, some kind of vertical route. I, again, I don't really know what it was, but, uh, you know, he had a 35-yard catch, uh, apparently traveled, you know, 20, 28, 30 yards in the air. So just the way that he's kind of, accessing that deep part of the field is, is a big surprise to me given what he was at at washington um and, and what we kind of have thought of him so you mentioned he had two handoffs as well at least one one that raheem lane smoked and absolutely chased down there might have been a second one or it was maybe a swing pass or something um okay. see so yeah, i believe he had at least at least six touches if not seven yeah, I'm I'm just becoming more and more excited about him because there are so many different ways that the Chargers tried to get Jalen Guy in, Keenan Allen, even Mike Williams at times, Andre Roberts, KJ Hill, you name it, like these short oh. area opportunities yeah. to just go get, you know, yards after the catch. And now we get DeAndre Carter, who's actually good at that, and then can also do, you know, vertical threat opportunities yeah. as well. So um could not be more impressed with Mr. DeAndre Carter. We'll see what happens with Jalen Guy. And of course, it felt like at the early parts of last season, he was really improving and taking a step forward as a route runner and doing more intermediate things. Mm-hmm. And then as Josh Palmer came on, Guy was kind of relegated to deep, you know, like you were mentioning, go balls, posts, corners, things like that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if that has an impact. I, I still think he should get some opportunities and some play, right? Like he's been a good sure. wide receiver three for this team, a good deep threat for this team. It's just that uh he's kind of getting replaced with if, in terms of play time so can't mm-hmm. wait to see how that one shakes out yeah Jalen Guyton I think he, it was yesterday had a really good day the last couple of days he had some really good days and one-on-ones started to kind of show up but Carter there's just there's something to be said about just nice consistent play like maybe it's 30 yards a game you know two three catches 30 40 yards something like that but it's just it's going to always be there you're not going to have this 45 yard game 10 yard game from Guyton I mean, it depends on how they use Carter. and I, I, But if they use him as he's looked, it's just going to be a nice extra piece for this team. And watching the Chargers play last year on offense, especially that final game against the Raiders, there was just something missing. And part of that was Donald Parham not being there, but they just didn't have another thing. They could cover Keenan Allen. They could cover Mike Williams, kind of work in Josh Palmer, who was still kind of coming into his own. And that was it. It was kind of the, the Jared Cook show. And that really only got you so far. Now they have right. this fifth option. And I'm beyond impressed with how he's looked so far. I don't want to overhype him yet by any means. But again, six touchdowns the last three days. Another almost 70 yards today leading the team. 
there's something really, really special here working. And I really would love, love, love to see him work in, you know, four wide receiver sets or something with Justin Herbert this next week. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you are envisioning, you know, two minute drills, right? Like me and you have, have said this a few times on the show at, at, at one point last year in week 18, when everybody was kind of just gassed and you're, you have Andre Roberts out there in an empty set. It's like, uh, Andre Roberts is a great return, man. And he's made a great totally. career out of it. But when you're, when that's your fifth receiving option, you know, you're essentially, you can go put Denzel Perryman on him and, and you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm sure they did. I'm sure I'm they sure did. They did. <laughs> <laughs> but now, you know, if you're in a two minute situation and you go into empty and you have Keenan and Mike and Josh Palmer, of course, Austin Eckler's out there. Now you can mix in Gerald Everett, you can mix in DeAndre Carter, you can mix in uh, Jalen Guyton as well as Donald Parham. So uh, it just gives them so many more options that DeAndre is a legitimate receiver. And of, of course, like we're not asking them to feed him, you know, 60, 70 targets. I could think that's unrealistic, right? But just give him yeah. four or five touches a game and let him go make some plays. And, and if he happens to break a couple plays deep, then fantastic, right? Like you're mm -hmm. not going to you know, feed him over the middle. Like people are, are, are kind of saying right now in the chat, you're not going to give him the Josh Palmer and Keenan Allen reps over the middle, but just give him some opportunities on the perimeter, give him some opportunities deep. And I think the chargers have a legitimate secret weapon here. Yeah. And really overall, just looking at the offense, I'll have to glide through and, and check and rewatch the film and see how they were targeted throughout the reps with Justin Herbert. But I mean, Carter got his, Everett got his, Eckler got his, his, Palmer got his, Williams got his, Allen got his, I mean, Joshua Kelly got his. I mean, Justin Herbert was accessing all different parts of the field today with different receiving options, receiving backs. Yeah. I think we're far more involved today, which is huge for this team. I think Carter obviously has a receiving threat, whatever you want to call him, him being more involved, actually having a tight end who can catch with a couple of beautiful catches today. It's just like the offense is like, oh, we could run the exact same plays we did last year, but we just have talent now. Like we actually have more receiving talent around us. Yeah. And that was no slouch defense they were going against. Yeah. Brandon Staley mentioned in his press conference. He felt like the operation offensively was very, very smooth tonight. Justin Herbert in a, in a rhythm. Of course, there were probably a couple sacks here and there that you can't really call in this kind of setting. He mentioned a, a one from Khalil that uh, specifically uh, stood out to him, but, you know, in this kind of setting, you're hoping that Justin Herbert can you just be in a rhythm, push the ball down the field when he can. But more so than anything, I think you're just trying to establish some chemistry with all these new guys. And it sounds like uh, that has been happening. So um, we talked yesterday in terms of our previews, uh, our, our scrimmage preview, what we were kind of hoping to see. Um, we talked about the right tackle uh, battle, of course. And I know there's going to be a lot of questions there. Um you said Trey Pipkins was the first guy out there. How did he look to you tonight? Yeah, he was the first guy out there. Again, I don't know if that means anything. I don't recall if Norton was the first guy out there yesterday. They switched. You know, Norton got his runs with the ones as well. Um, I thought he looked good, but as far as trench play goes, and I'll say this for most trench guys, if it were exceptionally good or exceptionally bad, I noticed it. But as far as trench play goes, because I have access to you know the videos of everything that happened today, I'm going to rewatch that and have a better assessment of how the trenches actually look today. But just aesthetic and thinking of how it looked overall, I thought for the most part, Herbert had a really clean pocket overall. And I know we didn't ask about tackles, but Zion Johnson looked amazing. Right? I know you asked about <laughs> tackles, but Zion looked amazing. Well, I love to hear that, man. Love to hear that. I know Zion has been making 
a great impression on everybody so far. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. Um, just the kind of steadiness that he'll be able to bring at that right guard position. Um, I just have to say, next press conference, let's get some real like technique and schematic questions. That'd be fantastic as opposed to like, hey, does Rashawn Slater having the best rookie season in tackle history like put more pressure on you? It's like, okay, what do we what do you expect him to answer there? <laughs> yeah, uh, I would love to hear some in-depth questions and like you look at what Cooper Cup that you know end of the game they talked about that one play that he had yeah and he went over the whole thing went viral blew up and everyone oh my gosh this is great content like ask those questions they yeah. want to talk about this it's so much fun uh but a whole different topic for another time yeah there was uh that video that I saw a couple of weeks ago of Chase Edmonds who is on the Dolphins now and he used to be on the Cardinals where they do a lot of inside zone runs a lot of duo and now he's going to go to this scheme that's a lot of outside zone and uh they asked him like what's the adjustment here and he, and he really gave a fantastic answer of like being able to you know transition from just going north and south to essentially you're, you're trying to just like ride the wave essentially like you're trying to surf and then you're just trying to see a hole and just hit it and how much of a difference that is with your vision with your decision making and just like your style so um that was that was good to hear and i, I hope we could get some more questions like that so uh, again we'll we'll talk about some trench play but uh definitely had to you know kind of answer that there was some good quotes yesterday in uh daniel popper's article as well as nick cothrell's article about trey pipkins and how he's just become a more consistent and confident player and i think that is really mm -hmm. the biggest thing for him or for uh storm norton so um all right tyler who else do you want to give a, a shout out here that stood out today run defense uh, if they had a carry, it was two, three yards, and it was pretty consistent, I thought, throughout the entire practice. Pass protection looked pretty good overall. The run defense, man, and, and led by Khalil Mack. He was disgustingly good today, and we've seen him, you know, that video, I think it's at 600,000 views now, that power that he has against Rashawn Slater. That translates <laughs> to the run game. Again, I don't know exactly who he beats, but I feel like he was moving both from the edge and the interior looping around or whatever. He just is different. This guy is so different. He looks so good. The run defense was outstanding. They had to throw. They had to get the backs out of the backfield. They couldn't run on this defense. I don't even think the second team could run on this defense. I stopped charting rushing attempts because this run defense, first team, second team, they were holding really, really well. So yeah, it's Khalil Mack, but it's it, everyone kind of got theirs today. I don't have to run defense, which, I mean, again, this is like one of the worst things that happened to the Chargers last year was run defense. It looked yeah. very, very good today. So much improved. Um, and Nasir Adderley was actually a big part of that, too. Yeah, love to hear Adderley again making uh, plays in the run game. I, I know you mentioned Raheem Lane earlier, as well as JT Woods making some plays in, in the run game. But this defensive front, man, is just so much more stout. And that's something that Austin Eckler talked about when he was doing his press conference media uh, availability early this week, that it's just bigger bodies, man. And just going from what the Chargers had been dealing with, you know, in terms of Linval Joseph and Jerry Tillery, Justin Jones, it's just different when you're talking about Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson and Brain Fajoko and all these guys. So um, I'm curious as well about the rotation there. But, you know, this defensive tackle group is going to allow them to live in nickel, which is, I think, where Brandon City wants to play in. You know, I feel like last year they had to do 
a lot more base formation things just because like they, they knew that it was much more difficult to stop the run that way. So, you know, I'm excited to really dig into this defensive tackle room. And I think there are so many uh, potential playmakers here, right? Because if you, if your starting trio is Sebastian Joseph day, Braden Fajoko and Austin Johnson in terms of defensive tackles, man, like you're talking about two guys who were at the very top in terms of run stop percentage. And then another one that was in the top in terms of just pure total run stops. So they're just more beefy, man. There's more beef in the middle and I love to see it. They're, Mm -hmm. they're playing well. And uh, hopefully this, you know, translates to actually stopping the running games. Yeah. That's the best way to say it. There's just more beef in the middle And, and maybe some of these guys won't have big splash plays. Maybe that's not their thing, but you can just tell even from a sideline view, the gap integrity and just making things difficult. You know, there's no crease for the running back to, to hit and hit 10 yards or whatever it is. You have to fight. You have to lower your shoulder. You have to grind out those yards. And you can even say the offense maybe wins those blocking reps and they do get four yards, but it's not 50 yards to Rex Burkhead. It's not, you know, we need to stop against the Raiders and we know they're running it and we still can't stop Josh Jacobs. You have to earn it against this defense. I, I, I can't wait for actual film to come out so I can watch, you know, the end zone angle, yeah. but they just, there's, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. If you want to get big yards, you kind of have to bounce it outside. Maybe. I mean, I think that's where the most, the bigger yards came today, but everything up the middle, man, they are so stout. Like just in terms of beef size, everything. I don't remember who it was who said compared to the Lynn era, there's a lot more size oh. up in the middle. Um, but yeah. I think that was, it's I think that was Eckler too. Yeah. And he's certainly feeling it because they had nothing every day. They went to the goal line. You know, I think they had two uh, run stuffs on the goal line against Eckler. They had to throw it to him out of the backfield. <laughs> it, it looks so much better and i hope they stay healthy yeah i think really in in terms of the weaknesses like right now i'm a little concerned about the linebacker room right but you know amen damon lloyd making plays right now and you know we'll see what happens when calvin always back and kenneth murray is back but this defensive front is going to be so much more stout up front like khalil mack we haven't even really talked about his run defense uh, his ability to stop the run there is just so crucial because now you're talking, you know, very similar concept about like solving the offensive line and the right side issues. Like there are no weak points right now. If you're talking about a starting base front or starting nickel front, all four of those guys up front are all quality run defenders. Whereas last year, you know, Chenna Mose was fine. Linval Joseph at this age was fine. And then you're talking about a total liability in Jerry Tillery. Jerry Justin Jones is fine. Whereas now you're going to like legitimately good run defenders so um hopefully that's able to again translate we'll see kind of what happens there but again just gives them more flexibility in terms of what they can do on the back end because they're going to be creating longer downs and distances Mm -hmm. and uh, it sounds like they did that tonight too yeah again i can't wait to watch the film they definitely brought amen they've been bringing the linebackers they brought jt woods on a blitz today i'm positive once joe james is back that's going to be one hell of a thing so yeah if they can make those things work and work with four guys in the front bring exotic blitzes i mean i don't know man i don't want to get too excited but this is a good offensive line that yeah. sebastian joseph day and company were handling pretty well and with this year adley taking that step forward he absolutely brought it today in the run game 
and Derwin James coming back again. I don't. I hate being the hype beast sort of guy, but I can't <laughs> believe I watched today and thought, "Wow, the run defense looks a lot better than the passing defense today." Yeah, I think going back to the safeties for a second here, you know, hearing about all of the guys kind of standing out in that regard, it's just such a big difference because last year mm-hmm. they're just on an island every single play, right? Like, and you're talking about being on an island against like Nick Chubb or Dalvin Cook or Josh. I mean, Josh Jacobs isn't great, but he's still a good runner. And now yeah. you're just you're freeing up more plays, you're freeing up opportunities to be aggressive. And, you know, I think Nas is going to thrive in that regard. I think, of course, Derwin is going to be awesome this year and run defense. So uh, it's going to be good. Uh, there was a collision between Nas and Josh Kelly today. Yeah, I really came downhill. I want to say it was actually like a red zone play or even like near the goal line within the first five or last five yards. And just Adderley just came downhill and smacked him. I believe it was something like that he did against the Chiefs week three On or whatever it was. Yeah. So something similar to that in practice against against Kelly, um, a couple of good rangy you know options as well. So, yeah, I think what he did last year, what you kind of saw from him, it's going to translate. And now that just the vision's going to be easier, things will be cleaner. Again, man, it's going to yeah. look good. It is going to look good. I saw uh, Rike from Die Hard Bolt Club was talking. <laughs> I guess yesterday, Josh Kelly. Like after the whistle, kind of stiff armed Adderley a little bit, and I guess Adderley took it took exception to that. Oh. And uh, Rike was close enough, and he heard uh, Nas talking some shit, and was basically like, "You try that again, I'm gonna knock your ass out," kind of thing. And oh. uh, sounds like Adderley got his revenge today. So uh, love to I love. I like that though. That's a lot of confidence. That's a mean streak. Now, does it take a whole lot to go hit Joshua Kelly? Not really, <laughs> but I'm glad he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go hit him and get some revenge." I love hearing that. Yeah, I will say, you know, Brandon Staley had some very good things to say about Joshua Kelly today. He looked good um, in his press conference, um, looking more explosive, looking more physical himself. Uh, in Daniel Popper's article yesterday, uh, he interviewed Derek Foster, and Derek Foster spoke pretty highly of Joshua Kelly, um, you know, kind of getting back to his, you know, rookie self in terms of just his confidence, his physicality, um, doing a great job in pass protection, which was a real weakness of his, in my opinion, as a rookie, which is kind of contributed to the the confidence issues as well as the fumbling uh problems that he was dealing with as a as a rookie so i mean listen man if joshua kelly's at his best and he's not fumbling and he's just making cleaner decisions he's able to pass protect that's a, i feel good about the the running back room if if he again it's a big if it's a big 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 if that joshua kelly is able to kind of you know, build off of what he was as a rookie early on in his season. And Isaiah Spiller looks to be like a fantastic receiving back right now, again, making some plays today. So I feel good about this running back room with this, with this trio. Again, if Kelly can uh, play at his peak. Yeah. Anthony Boone in the chat said he dropped two balls that Kelly dropped two balls today. It was definitely one. I don't know if it was two, but I might've not uh, charted that correctly, but still Kelly had seven targets today. Uh, got about 30 yards out of it. Looked really, really good. Um, Spiller's the guy who had that more explosive, I believe it was a wheel over JT Woods, 20-something yards. Um, but Kelly just getting nice chunks there and just providing something. Like get, you know, check down, get five yards. Check down, get seven yards. There was just something there every single time. Um, and that was really good. I, he looked, he looks good. Like a, I hate to say competent back. Like it sounds like a bad thing, but he looked good. He looked like a competent back. And I don't really see him relinquishing RB2 as things currently stand right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's fine if he's kind of your, you know, carry the load in terms of RB2 on the ground and Spiller's your receiving back. I think that's fine. I mean, I, I would love to see Isaiah Spiller come in and be that legitimate RB2, but as long as somebody is like a competent RB2, I don't really care who it is. So I feel like last year they really wanted to find roles behind Austin Eckler and, you know, Kelly Rancher were like the runners and then Justin Jackson was the receiving option, pass protection option. So it sounds like they're trying to do that again this year. To me, like you can run it five times a game for all I care because Kelly looked good as a receiver. Eckler looked good as a receiver, had a touchdown. <laughs> Spiller had that wheel right for 22. Why run it for four yards when you can pick up seven through the air or 20 through yeah. the air? You know, like it has to be more efficient football that way. It looks like they're really going to involve these guys in the in the receiving game this year. Um, RB2, yeah. RB3, RB1, RB4, whatever. Like, I think it's a big receiving year for these guys. Yeah, and I, I did an article earlier this year just talking about Isaiah Spiller and, like, what kind of impact he can have on this team. So last year, the Chargers were, I uh, if I remember correctly off the top of my head, they were, like, 22nd in total yards rushing on the ground. But they were 14th in DVOA. Like, they were efficient in the yeah. touches that they did have. A lot of that, of course, is Austin Eckler. But, you know, if this team can get into – like the 16, 17, 18 range in, in terms of total yards rushing, get into the top 10 in rushing DVOA. And I think that's totally possible this year. You know, talking about Zion Johnson settling guard, the guard spot, talking about whoever settling the RB2 spot, Carter, Everett impacting the game there. I feel much better about the offense overall if the Chargers are, are not a top 15 rushing team, at, at least in terms of DVOA and yards per carry and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I want to see a little more rushing out of these running backs. Again, only sure. two days of path before this, and then just this scrimmage today. So I do want to see a little bit more from them because it wasn't great today. Uh, but in the preseason, I hope these guys can kind of, you know, look better than they have, I suppose. So Roundtree kind of, again, just like that clearly fourth guy at this point? It's so weird because they'll have like clearly one and two is as is right now and then spiller is the what is the third but then they'll have herbert come back in and then roundtree roundtree will go in with herbert instead of spiller more with herbert so it's almost like roundtree gets more rb2 reps with herbert i suppose but spiller is clearly the third guy in and then it's roundtree but then roundtree gets to go with herbert for like the second drive or whatever it is so mm. i guess yeah he's rb4 because of how when he comes in the game, he's the fourth guy in, but he does get more reps with Herbert, which I think is kind of interesting. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, we'll shift gears a little bit and talk about some defensive plays. We had our first Jerry Tillery sighting of training camp, <laughs> uh, at least combined with Chris for, for a half sack, possibly maybe more Chris from. Um, but I, I just want to talk about the pass rushers in general outside of the two stars, right? Because I think with Cal Van Noy kind of playing so much inside linebacker, you know, there's a real opportunity for Chris Rump to stand out as the potential edge three, Ty Shelby, Jamal Davis as edge four, of course, MK Egbele. What do you see from uh, the, the pass rush in general and then specifically like those edge guys outside of the top two? Yeah, today was the day that Chris Rump really showed up. I think of camp in terms of splash plays, this was his big day. I'll have to go review and see what the stats are again. But in terms of, hey, they're, you know, there's him, there's Chris Rumpf, there's him, run, stop, pass, rush, whatever it is. He was much more involved today. That was great. Um, but then on the flip side, you also have Ty Shelby and Jamal Davis. 
I thought Shelby was the better pass rusher of the day. I think he had okay. two sacks. He would have had, I think, a strip sack if it were live. It looked like he kind of put his hand up to knock the ball, but then, you know, pulled away so the play could continue. So Shelby looked really good as a pass rusher. Jamal Davis, I didn't see as much in the pass rush game. But in terms of run defense, both setting the edge and chasing things down from the backside, looked great there. Like, whatever the Chargers decide to do with either of those guys, if they do anything with them, you can kind of pick your flavor. I feel like Jamal Davis has cemented himself really as the better run stopper of the group, better edge setter, better athlete, I think. Um, but on the flip side, Ty Shelby, a bit more raw, but you can see what he can do. The Some power, but some also some dip and rip to him. Um, I think he would have had two sacks today. So really good battle there so far. Egbele, I think, was there. Um, but frankly, <laughs> frankly, let's be honest. I don't watch him, nor do I care. So I mean, you were had, you, you attended tonight with your sister, so I'm sure you she, wasn't the there. There. she wasn't there. She wasn't there. Other right. sister, but other yeah. sister. All right, my bad, my mistake. But you know that that's good to hear. I, I, um, Brooke was making fun of me because we were watching the Raiders and Jaguars game on, on Thursday, and she was like, "You're not going to get like super into." the chargers preseason game next week and i'm like hell yeah i am yeah, like i, I want to watch these roster battle guys do get out and <laughs> you know my mind instantly of course went to like the pass rushers because mm -hmm. you know they're going to go up against the rams backup tackles next week and, and probably the cowboys backup tackles but they're going to get a ton of valuable reps and we haven't really again seen them get the opportunity to to finish these plays and so if Ty Shelby is able to really kind of stand out in, in a preseason game, I think he's going to be able to earn himself a spot. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we all kind of went into training camp expecting Kyle Vanoy to be more involved on the edge. But Ty Shelby, yeah. if he's if he has an opportunity to stand out, then I could realistically see them keeping another edge guy. Uh, if it's Shelby, if it's Davis, we'll see. But um, again, these reps coming up for them are so important. Yeah, as, as I had the roster, 53-man roster projection constructed today, I kind of showed it to Discord and just kind of guessed what was going on there. And if you do not keep Easton Stick and if you don't keep a fourth running back, there's a spot for a fifth edge rusher here if you include Kava and Noy as one of them. Sure. And you should have another one. Like these guys, Davis and Shelby, I think Shelby, or I think Davis is at the lead right now. They deserve a spot. You, like... Why not have more pass rushers? This guy yeah. is is built. He's playing really well. He's doing what they ask of him. He's dominating his snaps. Why not keep him? Yeah, absolutely. And again, just excited to see those guys get some opportunity uh, in the preseason games coming up. Just finishing plays, I think, is super important. Um, Daniel did, Daniel Wade on Twitter did say that <laughs> lightheartedly Jerry Tillery kind of put his hand out on Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert kind of smacked it away um i'm sure there's no uh ill will there between those two in that moment but um hey man i'm jerry we asked for jerry to kind of show up sounded like he had at least two pressures or mm -hmm. potentially a sack so um you know we didn't really hear much from morgan fox tonight so at least jerry tillery showed up like we asked and uh, made a couple plays sound like yeah i didn't see that whole herbert tillery exchange if it were anybody else, we'd be like, ha ha, that's funny. Of course, it's Tillery. <laughs> so we think, hey, you know, what are you doing? And get away from my quarterback. Yeah, I didn't see it. Uh, so maybe it was nothing. Maybe it was something. I don't know. But yeah, once again, Morgan Fox will have to look at the footage again. But it seems like he was just zero again in the stat sheet. And yeah, these guys aren't going full. They're not going, you know, hitting each other. And maybe when it comes time to face the Raiders, he'll show out. Or maybe in the preseason, he'll look good. But 
at this point, like I, I do want to see Morgan Fox play in the preseason because I like yeah. if you look through Daniel Popper's articles or tweets, do you see a pressure, a tackle for loss from Morgan Fox? I don't think I've seen one yet. No, and he's been getting worked by Zion and other guys in in one on one. So um again, there's there's still about three, four more weeks of training camp, so that could certainly change. But you know, we we need some more interior pass rush. And so right now I guess Tillery minorly stock up because he he kind of was the first one to show up but yeah um, it's all good um all right let's talk about some secondary pieces today that kind of stood out to you uh you mentioned michael davis had a really good day in practice uh in this scrimmage what did you see from him tonight just good coverage red zone coverage making plays on the football i think i don't know if it's just a confidence thing or maybe it's just a coincidence but had the interception against joe reed the other day had a pass breakup at the end zone today it was a deep shot that went his way ran stride for stride no chance that was completed his way again running with the second team you know they're not confusing him for anything although jc jackson did step out for a bit so they did have asante samuel jr and michael davis out there as we'd expect michael davis is the yeah. cd4 i think he cemented that um but he looked good and i think he just it's nice to see him string these together um, especially in a game setting like this was the closest thing to real game action and if you look your best in these moments i think that's really good so uh was by far his best practice of the camp so far good good i think that's important for him right to be able to kind of take this and build this into you know the next couple of weeks and earn himself a role because you know ronaldo hill was talking about this they know that he's talented they know that he has value it's just kind of figuring out where they want to put him so um Something that I was listening to uh, on the athletic football show with Robert Mays, and he was interviewing Bill Barnwell, and they were talking about um, the Chargers defense and how predictable or unpredictable it could be just kind of overall. And um, they told Robert Mays, they meaning the Chargers, that if they feel like that J.C. Jackson needs to shadow somebody who is a slot receiver, that they're not going to hesitate to do that. Like they're not just going to have J.C. Jackson be a boundary player. And so if they're playing, you know, like, I was just talking about this today on Twitter. Like the Chargers won't play the Buccaneers for a while, right? But if they're playing the Buccaneers and they feel like Chris Godwin is the number one receiver, they'll put him, meaning JC, on Godwin in the slot. And I think that's where you see Michael Davis come in specifically. And, and Ronaldo Hill mentioned some dime possibilities as well because if Michael Davis feels like he has a lot of ground to make up on Bryce Callahan, which would also have to force Asante to play the slot. But if Michael Davis has that opportunity to play outside, play tight ends, I think there's still a good opportunity for him to, you know, not be a starter, but provide some value to this team. Yeah, I completely agree. As far as JC Jackson covering the number one, even if he's in the slot goes, have we seen that? Like, I'm kind of waiting for him to get more reps. No, it's been all him and it's been all him on Mike Williams right now from what we've heard. But yeah, it's that's just what Robert Mays heard from the team. Yeah, and they do, you know, they kind of view Williams as a 1B. They certainly are paying him like the 1B, if not the 1A, but it's mostly Keenan Allen versus whatever poor soul has to line up across from him. And then Mike <laughs> Williams always gets J.C. Jackson. So if they do want to put him in the slot, I believe it. You know, I've seen them do it with someone like Mike Evans. I just really haven't seen that in practice yet. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Maybe they're not revealing it, everything. Right. It is curious because I, I feel like when they had minicamp, we saw a lot of JC versus Keenan and a lot of Asante versus Mike Williams. You know, there was that mic'd up clip from Mike from Asante where he was telling Mike Williams that he's going to make all his money off of him and, and, you know, going up in that matchup. So 
it, I am curious why they haven't necessarily mixed that up a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know. As far as bringing an extra DB, let's say they go six DBs, unless it's Mark Webb, who I think is the only, or, or maybe Raheem Lane, but that's kind of a, a long shot. Sure. Michael Davis, I think, should come in over JT Woods. Definitely different, obviously different players. One's a deep safety, one's a corner, like a boundary corner. Yeah, but yeah. If you have to bring somebody else in, I feel much better about bringing Michael Davis in right now than someone like JT Woods. I know we kind of assumed that, you know, oh, we'll put Derwin James in the slot to cover seven. We'll bring JT Woods to play back. They still might, but right now I, I have more confidence in Michael Davis to be that sixth DB over someone like JT Woods. Granted, two different roles. Yeah, yeah I think if you are... Because last year, two different players, right? But last year, I felt like they viewed Derwin and Chris Harris as kind of like the chess pieces. And Chris Harris, in the first game against Washington, had a bunch of snaps at safety, had some snaps in the slot, of course, outside. This year, if you're talking about the chess pieces being Derwin and J.C. Jackson, then you have to have somebody who can play outside, somebody who can play deep safety. And depending how you want to move those guys around, it's going to be curious to see how they move that and JT Woods had his, it sounds like it was his best day in practice today as well. Yeah, again, I, I want to see him interception, pass breakup, or something. Everything <laughs> that's going deep hasn't quite been there yet. I, and I believe it was Spiller over Woods for that 22 yard reception. But okay, whoo man, he flew downhill, the trigger downhill against Larry Roundtree, either on a run or on a swing pass. I think went for nothing. And he is fast, like just some guys are just look different on the field. Boy, is he fast! Like, there's a legit speed there. I forget what they said his 40 was, 436 or whatever it was. Yeah, he's he's the fastest guy on defense. If he isn't, I'd be surprised. He he looks so fast. Right after that, blitz off the edge. I think if it were a live rep, he would have smoked Easton Stick. I think Stick was dead in the rights, and he kind of let up and tried to you know put his hands up to break up the pass. But dude's fast. So every everything <laughs> near the line of scrimmage looks really, really good. I just want to see those you know the yeah. deep shots and things across his face be covered better. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's good, right? Because we were hearing that his issue was kind of processing and he wasn't necessarily able to play that fast. So even if it was just some little glimpses here and there, um, you'd like to hear that kind of progress. So uh, for what it's worth, 4.35 is uh, JT Woods' RES score speed. So that dude is fast. That's fast, fast. And to be clear, I was not saying that Chris Harris was good. <laughs> I was just saying that the Chargers <laughs> viewed him as somebody that they could play as a chess piece because – if you go back and watch that Washington game and some of the other games later in the season, they're moving Chris Harris around a lot like they had prime Chris Harris, and it's unfortunate that that was not the case. But I'm just saying, the Chargers liked him. I did not like him. <laughs> yes, he he was a chess piece, but he was like a pawn with like yeah. <laughs> half, half the statue missing. So Yeah, not a valuable chess piece. <laughs> um, all right, anybody else on defense in terms of the secondary playmakers that you want to shout out? I, I do want to get to... Uh, a couple I've seen a couple questions about the tight ends, but anybody yeah. on defense that you want to shout out here? Uh, that's mostly it. Got to Davis, got to Mac. Amen Ogbong Bamiga had some pretty good work today. Shelby Davis talked about him, talked about Rumpf, talked about Woods. So yeah, that's mostly everybody. Raheem Lane looked good again. I think we got everyone. Yeah, sounds about right. There we go. So obviously no Donald Parham today, no Trim Kitty. Um, couple good reps, it sounds like, from Sage Surratt as well as Hunter Campmoyer. What did you see from those other tight ends uh, outside of Gerald Everett? Yeah, I was looking for, you know, Hunter Campmoyer, Eric Krummenhawk, or, or somebody to be the tight end too. And Campmoyer was the tight end too. He did have three catches. I think he might have had four. I just didn't chart it correctly. Um, he was involved and he was the tight end too. But Sage Surratt, 
Um, I believe he probably had five or six catches today. I didn't tally wow. up the yards yet for him. He was very, very involved, obviously not with the ones, but with Chase Daniel, with Easton Stick, he was an outlet. He was a pretty sure-handed wide receiver. Looks pretty good. So of the guys that were involved, Surratt, I think, either had tied Carter for the most catches or had the most catches of the day. So surprised. I was surprised. Um, not that Cat Moyer or Croman Hawk are really great receiving weapons, but Sage Surratt was definitely yeah. surprised being as productive and as targeted as he was today. Yeah, I mean, he's been on the team for three days, four days. What did I, I forget? <laughs> yeah. He was specifically signed, but pretty much. Um, was there a quarterback who kind of favored him more than the other? You feel like? Ooh, good question. I want to say it was balanced because he had so many targets. Okay. Um, but I was surprised that he got as much work early as he did. So probably Chase Daniel then. But I have to okay. go back and tally that. Well, I mean, if this is a good practice squad stash, I think that's a, a great outcome for him. But um, what kind of ways are they using Hunter Camp Moyer as a receiver? Flat, check down, that sort of okay. thing. He, he's not a Gerald Everett. He's not a receiving weapon. He's not He's not a Jared Cook, Yeah, I guess. He's, <laughs> he's a possession, tight end, blocker, extra sort of guy. I guess a maybe slightly more receptions, Virgil Green, I guess. Um, but he's, I feel like he's a Got blocker it. and a safety net first, and then, you know, maybe use him a bit more in the red zone after that. I'm assuming that's how Trey McKitty's role will be in the, in the passing game too, once he's able to get healthy and get back on the field. Cause it sounds like they really are establishing Donald Parham as kind of the vertical threat, the mm -hmm. stretch, the seam threat post corners. And then Jared Everett is, is doing some of that as well, but you're talking about him, you know, doing some digs slants, you know, mm -hmm. swing passes as well as, you know, getting involved in the run game. So um, doesn't really sound like we're going to have a true tight end one, like how Jared Cook was. I feel like it's going to be pretty even split with those guys. But, you know, McKitty, Hunter Campmoyer, just kind of being that safety valve is, is, is good for them. Yeah, not bad at all. I was worried that the offense was missing Donald Parham in the red zone today, and they were because I believe the first two drives, or at least the very first drive, stalled in the red zone. Move all the way across, stall. And I believe it happened maybe twice, and they were just you could tell that the offense was missing him, and the second team offense was missing him too. But they kind of figured things out after that. But hope he comes back sooner than later because they there's just something missing when he's not there. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully his hamstring injury is uh back out there or recovers soon enough, get him back out there as, as soon as possible. All right. So we'll uh get to some questions here for a little bit. We'll take questions for about 10, 15 minutes. Of course, have to shout out uh, Tyler's mom for the super chat. As always, there was another one as well that I forgot to mention earlier. It was just a super sticker. It wasn't necessarily a super chat question. Uh, LA Chargers fan says, thanks for the content. Appreciate that. Appreciate the super chat. From uh, Robert. Yeah. Roberto. Roberto Castiglione. Appreciate that as well. All right, so Brett, uh, Bull Brett had a question about the defensive sets. Did you feel like it was mostly nickel? Did they play some dime? What did you see from just a schematic standpoint tonight? Felt mostly like nickel today. I, again, would have to go back and rewatch. I certainly, from my angle, was not like, okay, what are they at nickel or what are they doing here? Um, it felt like what they've been running, 4 2 5, uh, but I'll double check on that one. Yeah. It sounds like that's really what they want to live in this year, which, again, is no surprise. Uh, especially with how good they feel with Bryce Callahan, you know, playing that spot and, and mixing up the DBs and how much they've invested in that group. So 
Uh, definitely expect to be heavy nickel this year. I think it was uh, Doug Farrar pointed out that NFL teams like like there's base defense, but really base defense has become nickel, which is four two five. And I think he's he pointed out that it was like in the sixty percentile. Like teams are just playing basically nickel on mm. you know three of every four plays or something like that. So yeah, I, I expect the Chargers to play a lot of nickel this year. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised there. Of course, if you find a question, uh, feel free to shout it out. Okay, I'll go ahead and fly through, go through some of our Patreon supporters, or excuse me, YouTube members first. Uh, Teresa Compapa, special teams, question mark. Uh, it was a bit rough to start. McCord I heard missed. Hopkins missed a couple today. Hopkins missed a couple, and I didn't really care all that much, but then I started to care, <laughs> but it was like the third one. I'm thinking, okay, we could not miss. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, I think they did miss both of them to start. And then like the, the next half of the practice, they were dead on. So who knows? Maybe it was just some crazy weather. JK Scott can definitely kick I, or punt. I should say, I would not be surprised if you saw them punt and angle the punts more and out of bounds. Like he primarily worked pinning the offense today. So we're yeah. talking, you know, to the left and out of bounds to the right and out of bounds in the corner. And he was booting it. So he has a good leg. He seems pretty accurate. And it seems like more than I'm used to seeing for the Chargers punters, especially in practice, they're going to try to kick it to the sideline, potentially yeah. even out of bounds. Like if we lose four yards because we kicked a little bit too short, but out of bounds, that's fine because we don't have to worry about a returner. I think that's might be the direction they go this year. I forget who specifically wrote it from the Chargers website, but they uh, had a, a reference of, the punt drill situation. And I think it was um, Scott bounced it at like the four yard line and Deandre Carter let it uh, roll. And then it, it basically just like bounced up, hit the one and then just like stopped, just like dropped right there. Wow. And uh, in the story, they say that Deandre yelled back at him like, that's a great fucking punt. And uh, <laughs> a big fan. So sounds yeah. like a JK Scott hype man is legit. I don't know. We'll see what happens in these games, but. Uh, I mean, if he can be who he was in 2019, then they have a legitimate weapon at punter, which this team has not had in a very long time since Mike Cyphers was on the team. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm seeing, a, a guy that can actually angle the punt. We're not just trying to hit it as far as we can, and the coverage will get there. Seems like a guy who can actually angle it to where he wants to go, and it just puts the returner in so much conflict. Like, okay, is it going out of bounds? Is it not? I'm out of room. There's nothing to my right because it's a sideline. Do I fair catch it? If it bounces, does it go back inside? Is it going to bounce outside? Should I move? You can just tell. Like I think there was a return. I think Carter was trying to return it today. And you can yeah. tell they were just like, I don't really know how to approach this <laughs> because it was just a little bit funky. Instead of just something yeah. right up and down the middle and you run, there was definitely more conflict mentally. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, Ty Long was fine in 2018 and or maybe it was 2019, I guess. Um, but he was real bad the last couple of years. So hopefully JK Scott can uh, figure it out. Um, question from K rich. Uh, haven't heard much about Asante Samuel jr. This whole training camp. Is that good or bad? How has he been? Um, if you listen to the tweet that I, I sent out from the, I am athlete podcast when Brandon state was out there. They are loving where Asante is at right now. They feel like he has taken a sizable leap forward in his development. He, I think he put on, uh, seven pounds, if I'm not mistaken. So he's a little bit bigger this year, 
but Brandon Sadie says he's more explosive and, um, you know, he's been matching up with Donald Parham in instances. He's been matching up with Josh Palmer in instances and he certainly lost some, but they feel great about where Asante's at and just in terms of his ability as a playmaker, his ability to match coverages, play deep, which I think is something that he does very, very well. Um, so they like, they really like where Asante is at this year. I think mm-hmm. the reason we haven't necessarily heard about him making a ton of plays is that he's often covering the third receiver on this team. Like he's, he's not covering Mike Williams. He's not covering Keenan Allen. So I, I feel like he's just not necessarily getting thrown at a ton right now. Yeah, definitely not a lot of Keenan Allen. You definitely see more Mike Williams from him. Uh, as far as, you know, not hearing a bunch about him, that's great. You know, you don't want to know the long snapper's name because if you know the long snapper's name, <laughs> it's because they fucked up. Asante Samuel Jr., yeah. he's making plays. He looks more comfortable, too. I think last year, yeah. there were moments in, in several games and even at the scrimmage last year where he would panic and grab or, or kind of just not know exactly where he is on the field because things are just different. Guys are faster. They throw further, that sort of thing. He just looks more comfortable. I don't recall seeing any time he's panicked so far. It's either been a, you know, a contested catch or he's broken up the pass. He looks really good. Haven't seen him make any tackles downhill yet, um, but that's, that'll just come with them playing games in the regular season. Yeah, and I feel like his his tackle rate was bad last year, but again, it wasn't necessarily because of technique issues. I felt like after he had the two concussions, it just he was not necessarily playing confident because his his ability as a run defender was something that we all really loved as a college prospect. So I think him just being healthy, being more comfortable in the scheme, like Tyler's talking about, is going to mm-hmm. uh, help out a lot. So really quick shout out to Anthony Vu, uh, super chat or super sticker, I should say. Appreciate all the content you guys put out. Uh, we appreciate your support, man. And none of what we've been doing, it would be possible without you guys. We've had over 400 live viewers tonight, which is fantastic. Like I said, feels like a legitimate like football is back <laughs> moment tonight. So uh, appreciate that. Yeah, love it for sure. Uh, thank you, Anthony. Wow, really we got an appearance that. from Jason Jason tonight. Haven't heard from Jason in a long time. Uh, shout out, Jason. Hope you're doing well. You know, serving the country in the military. Appreciate all of your uh, service and hard work out there, bud. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, Jason uh, finally messaged me out of the blue the other day about Dean Leonard. I'm like, oh, hello. I didn't know you were <laughs> still alive. Uh, glad to hear they didn't, uh, you're not into some gulag or whatever in Russia or something. Yeah. I'm glad everything's going well for uh, for Jason, it seems. Uh, OG member of the podcast, for those who don't even know. Yeah, Jason uh, was the original trio member, and then he joined the military, which is why uh, Alex had to join the show. So um, shout out to Jason, like I said. Um, any member question you wanted to bring up? <laughs> if not, I'm not yeah go for it i'm not seeing a lot of member questions that i want to bring up all right uh demetrius jones do y'all think jamari salyer will mm. get a lot of playing time in the preseason to see where he can fit on the offensive line absolutely he's going to be the starting left guard in the preseason games i don't think matt byler is going to be playing much at all so yeah. they feel again they feel really good about where he's at joe lombardi said yesterday um he was asked about zion johnson and impromptly brought up Jamari mm. as well. So they they feel great about Zion and Jamari. Uh, very similar evaluations, just strong, smart, calm, and collected. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Zion is, is I feel like, significantly better athletically. Athletically. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about Jamari and Zion as kind of like the feature of the interior. And I think Chargers fans should be very, very excited about that between these two players. 
Yep. Had a defensive player. You know who I'm talking about. Message me and say, yep, we have Zion and, and Jamari. The Chargers hit on two stud guards for years to come. So I'm feeling pretty yeah. good about these guys. And don't you feel good too, Steve, that we like <laughs> Zion, we like Jamari. Yeah. We're cheering for these guys. And so far, they're the standout rookies, in my opinion. Yeah, Zion was my highest rated guard and Jamari was number four. So <laughs> uh, that makes me feel really good about the Chargers process. Again, unfortunate that uh, Jamari's kind of health really played an impact in where he got drafted, but um, definitely a blessing in disguise for the Chargers there. Going from Gavino Borges from Chargers Wire. What's up, Gavino? I know he was trying Gavino. to make it up this weekend and uh, couldn't. He's the Otito Ogbonia update. I don't recall him doing a whole lot today, but he was getting more work. They switched things up in training camp this week, got him more runs with the ones, and he looked a lot better, looked really stout, uh, bit of pass rush in there mostly just stout against the run uh can't wait to dive into the film and see how he did against the interior uh today yeah he you said he works with the first team on thursday right yes yes so i i don't think there's i don't think otito's in any danger of getting cut by any means but they are being slow with him potentially like a brendan hymas kind of situation where he's not really going to play. Maybe he's their sixth defensive tackle, a kind of a healthy scratch until he really gets, you know, caught up on the speed of things. But, you know, again, they didn't draft him to be a day one starter or anything like that. Yeah. The good news is you're seeing a guy, his tools flash. He's not out there. It doesn't look too big for him. It doesn't look too difficult for him. He's a guy who has tools. He's used them. I feel good about it. You know, he's a guy that showed really good stuff against Ed Ingram in college and then got the best beat at the brass beat out of him against like donovan west and nick ford so yeah you know a, a guy who needed work and he's a guy who needs work but it's so far through training camp i mean again he's showing up more than morgan fox more than jerry tillery i don't know what that means at this point but he's at least making his presence known and felt yeah so uh brandon Staley said tonight that the guys who they don't need more evaluation on are the guys that are not going to be playing in the preseason so Obviously, that means Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, probably not going to play in the preseason. So there's a real opportunity for, obviously, for Braden Fajoko, Morgan Fox, Jerry Tillery, uh, Christian Covington, but also Tito. Like, he's going to get a lot of important snaps in the preseason, um, and he's going to get to go up against these guys. And we saw last year, Cortez Brown took advantage of his snaps. Braden Fajoko did as well. <laughs> and so... they got cut. <laughs> <laughs> well... Again, I don't think Otito's going to get cut, but I'm excited to watch him in the preseason and yeah. really see where he's at there. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Uh, Thomas Martinez had this question earlier. Does the potential of an increased role on offense mm. for DeAndre Carter increase the chances for a six receiver like Bandy to make the roster as a potential backup injury returner or Parham's injury open up tight end for more to start? So um, Michael Bandy did get some more first team reps tonight. What did you see from him tonight? Look great. Fantastic player. Um, I have him second on the team right now tonight with 43 yards, five catches, uh, 43 yards on six targets. Again, you know, not like Herbert's favorite weapon by any means, but a guy who's making a lot more use of his targets, more downfield as well with sure hands than someone like Austin Prohl did last year. As far as yeah. Thomas's question goes, I think Carter's role makes it worse for someone like Michael Bandy, unless they're worried sure. about Carter getting hurt. But as far as I'm concerned, the receivers look good. They're playing well. They're healthy. And so I don't think Bandy has a shot. 
as far as Parham's injury, um, does it open up tight end four more? Yeah, I, I think at this point, even though it's not a sexy pick, and I think someone like Bandy has been better in camp, he's not really going to get a lot of run, where someone like uh, Hunter right. Cantmoyer will get you know a couple of blocking reps, be that extra, you know, the third tight end, be the you know, extra receiving outlet or whatever he is. So I do think at this point I would start penning four tight ends for this roster. Yeah, I agree with that. And and I said earlier in the week, I think this gives them flexibility with Horvath as well as they kind of bring him along. And I, I do kind of expect Horvath to be a healthy scratch to start the season, um, just like they did with Trey McKitty last year. So in terms of Michael Bandy, I think he, like, you'll never say never, right? Like if he goes out in the sure. first season and has some fantastic games, but I feel like if Carter were more of like just a kick returner and they, they did need kind yeah. of another person to return punts, then that would be kind of the, the instance where Michael Bandy would have his best chance because, um, you know, like last year, that's that's why KJ Hill made the roster. He was the only punt returner that they trusted to catch the ball. And <laughs> if that were happening this year, like if, if you swapped out Joe Reed and DeAndre Carter, then that's an instant where Michael Banny makes the roster because they need like a separate punt returner. But um, I, I don't think that Banny necessarily has a, a great chance of making it this year. But he's playing yeah. great, sounds like. Yeah, he's playing well. Like he'll potentially be a priority stash if something happens to Carter, to Palmer, <clears throat> whatever. Like, yeah, he's going to be the next guy up. Um, so he's, he's playing himself into a very secure practice squad spot. Yeah. All right, we'll get to a couple more questions here. Looks like we got another Raider chat in here. I don't know. I don't know why other fans of other teams come into our yeah. uh, live shows, but hey, I appreciate your your view. Hope you like the video as well. Yeah, you hit like. That's good for us. And, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, I'm not going to say that name. I don't know how to say it. Uh, who are you more impressed with the offense or defense in the training camp and why? I would say defense. Um, especially today. I think defense, yeah. run defense showing up. I think the defense has been the most impressive. It was for most of camp the defensive backs. And you know, to a certain extent, that's probably still true. But today, with the pads on, the defensive line showing up versus a very good Chargers offensive line was huge. Uh, I'm really, really happy with both just the additions that they've made and the competition that they're let that they're letting brew between players. Um, it just seems like the best is being brought out of these guys front front seven back end whatever like it just these guys are competing and it looks like you could i feel like we're finding the best roster because of this yeah i feel like the it's balanced out a lot more i feel like it's been a lot of give and take recently with offense defense you know having plays but um i i think there are more you know pleasant surprises on defense like i i didn't really know what to yeah. expect out of bryce callahan this year mm -hmm. i didn't really know what to expect out of dean leonard just here taylor um, the linebacker situation, like Damon Lloyd coming out of kind of nowhere, uh, Raheem Lane. So I feel like there's been more in, in terms of like the depth on this team. I feel like there's been more positive impact on the defensive side than the offensive side. Like outside of Michael Bandy, we haven't really heard much of like a depth guy really standing out. Um, again, you could you could yeah. talk about Hunter Catmoyer a little bit there. Again, pleasantly surprised about DeAndre Carter, but mm -hmm. I, I think the defense just has more improvement from the depth players and more standouts from the depth players for sure yeah they had more questions and so far they've kind of sure. answered all those questions as best you could through training camp so not bad 
This one from K. Rich. Has Raheem really been that much more impressive than JT Wood so far? Is Raheem more of a deep safety or box? Uh, my answer to that is whatever you want him to be. He's been fantastic <laughs> covering, you know, again, chase down DeAndre Carter on a handoff for no gain, uh, covering anybody at all parts of the field. You can play him as deep safety. He just, he's been phenomenal. And yes, I do think in terms of what he's done this week, at least, because this is going to really start to key in on him. He feels like he's doing more than JT Woods can right now. And we knew that. We said as much when they drafted JT Woods. He didn't cover in the slot a lot, or if he did, he wasn't that great. He's not yeah. a coverage corner sort of guy. Raheem Lane, as you talked about on the show last time, was a former corner. So he does just he just does that better. He looks more comfortable. Will he be the same rangy free safety that JT Woods will be? I don't think so. But I think Raheem has been a bit more impressive. So you can move him wherever. I would love him on the team. I just yeah. don't think it's in the cards. Yeah, I think you look at Raheem Lane essentially how you look at Mark Webb. You're looking at yeah. somebody who can cover the slot, somebody who can play in the box a little bit more and also play deep. Whereas, you know, JT Woods right now, they really have him focusing, um, playing that deep shell spot, playing as a center fielder in terms of like, you know, being that cover three center fielder kind of player. Um, maybe JT Woods can, again, develop into that player. But Raheem Lane, just a little bit more physical, a little bit more of a of a box around the line of scrimmage kind of safety. It's probably a bad comparison, but JT Woods has kind of been like Michael Davis. Whereas I'm not I'm not seeing Michael Davis getting roasted all the time. I'm not seeing JT Woods get roasted all the time. But sure. everyone else is getting theirs but JT Woods. That's kind of how I would compare the two, I guess. Yeah. Um Jimmy asked if it's a tie at right tackle, who starts? Um, I think this is certainly a possibility, right? Just based off of what we heard, what we've heard from uh, both of the players, both have improved. Apparently, I feel like if it's a tie, I feel like they would stick with Storm Norton because that's who started last year, and we've heard uh, all the offensive linemen have talked about the importance of continuity and how. Nice it's been to have Brendan Nugent in there because it's a lot of the same verbiage, a lot of the same style and scheme and things like that. So if you really feel like Storm and Trey Pipkins are on an even playing field, I feel like they would choose the guy who started 14 games for them last year or 15, 15 games. Yeah. No, sure. 14 games, 14. Too Played many. in 15, started 14. Yeah, 14 or whatever more than I would have liked to see. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a good assessment. I think if it's a tie... You go with Norton, I guess. I hope it's not a tie. Like, yeah, we'll see. Oh, look at that. Yeah, Brendan Nugent said that they are still kind of waiting for separation day, is what he he called it. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. So, again, the the, the preseason games are going to be very telling because that's really when they'll be able to finish plays properly. So. I guess Brandon said he was on the Rich Eisen show this week earlier and, and talked about that as well. Uh, question from ET44A who asks, what position group have you guys been the most impressed with? Safeties for me. I think from one to five at the very least. Um, I think they've just been really, really solid. I've been the most impressed with them. The best players have been the two edge rushers, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. I think they've been just yeah. ridiculously good. But in terms of like what group I'm most impressed with, because I had to be impressed, it's the safeties. I, I, even Alohi Gilman. People are talking about, oh, Gilman should be cut. I think he's earned a spot. I don't know if he will get a spot, but I think he's definitely earned one because he's been solid. 
I think if you're talking about the position group as a whole, I would also say the corners in that conversation. I mean, you're talking about JC Jackson getting a lot of plays. Uh, Asante, mm-hmm. we talked about Michael Davis, Bryce Callahan. Bryce Callahan has arguably been like one of the best players in practice. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think the cornerbacks are in a great spot this year. And, um, not that I wasn't expecting them to be improved, but to me, like one through five, I think they're the best position group on the team right now. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, JC Jackson's been the best player in camp so far, in my opinion. Bryce Callahan, maybe the best, you know, surprise as is. I mean, I guess we knew he was good, but we had to see it. Same thing with Jackson. Looks great. Um, JC Taylor, or Jaw Taylor, excuse me, Dean Leonard. They look like they belong. Like, I understand why you drafted these guys, and it's translating to the field. So, yeah, I mean, DBs in general. Derek Ansley, all those guys, wonderful job so far. Yeah, absolutely. Jack H., appreciate the uh, small gift of gratitude. Jack is always in our live chat, so uh, shout out to him. Appreciate your support here. Um, All right, I'm going to try and find one more question here, and then we'll uh, call it a night. (laughs) I'm not going to say who the worst player is on the team. (laughs) What kind of question is that? The worst player on the team. Uh, no, I'll pass. Because we'll never really know. Like, I'm sure there's a ta- defensive tackle or someone who's the worst on the team, but we don't watch them. So, yeah. All right. All right. One more question. One more question. Find another question, but I do want to sort of answer this. Uh, I don't think Tillery will be cut. If we're talking about surprise cuts, I am going to monitor Brendan Hymas as a surprise cut. I think he's entered yeah. that territory because Fajoko has been taking his lunch money. And to my peripheral sort of knowledge, it does feel like uh, Ryan Hunter has been better recently. And he did get a shout out from someone else as well. So I think that's something to monitor. But again, you said surprise kid. I'm not saying expected. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Brendan Hymas was, of course, somebody that we were very hopeful for last year. Um, they didn't play him, and they obviously did not feel comfortable. I mean, they chose to play Senor Kilimente over Brendan Hymas. So um, we're not going to talk about that, though. We're not talking about that different <laughs> Broncos game. Um, but Hymas has not done well this, this training camp so far. Again, we'll see what happens in the preseason. But Ryan Hunter looked good in last preseason, man. He really did. He was somebody that I was hoping that they could find a way to keep. And if he's the better player, then he he should be kept. Like, I think, you know, you're at this point with this offensive line where if you're a fifth round pick and you haven't performed, then you keep the undrafted free agent that is performing. Uh, And so Ryan Hunter has looked really good. He's really popped physically on a, a couple of plays, especially as a puller, which is what the Jamal Davis play was from yesterday. Mm-hmm. So if he's the better player, then I, you have to keep him. You have to. I don't think you can afford to keep a guy that you just don't feel comfortable playing as your yeah. last offensive lineman. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, they literally, despite the fact that he, we thought he was good, you thought he was good, you liked his tape, you liked his college film, Brandon Thorne really liked him, you liked him yeah. in the preseason, they just did not play him. They did not want him out there right i'm not even sure why um but that said there's been no competition between him and ryan hunter or anybody else um but with jamari already supplanting him like there's definitely you know they're not like super comfortable comfortable with him right now yeah blue deftone asking a follow-up here do you think storm normally could cut 
Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. They feel, I, I know everybody hates this, but they feel very confident in their two offensive tackles outside of Rashawn Slayer. One of them is going to start. The other one is going to be the swing tackle and they're going to go from there. So uh, get used to seeing Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton because it's going to, it's going to happen They're They are making the roster. I don't know what to tell everybody. <sighs> but that was a good final question. We'll, we'll leave it there. Okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, Tyler, any final thoughts from uh, tonight? Uh, I'm ready to go to sleep. Uh, thank you for <laughs> almost 400 of you at one point, 350 yeah. right now. Thank you for staying I've been watching. It's 930. You guys are diehard Chargers fans. I appreciate you guys. It'll be a bit of a you know mellow week, I believe, coming up. Then we have the preseason. We'll talk about that on Wednesday. And then, of course, uh, on Sunday after the game. And then uh, Cowboys join practice. Uh, stay tuned for Chargers Analytics with Arjun. I believe there are two episodes dropping this week at some point. So YouTube members will get that early. Also, for everyone who is listening, I'm going to go through, watch all the snaps from tonight. We have 15 minutes, 15 minutes of like film for tonight. So all those stats will be available to the YouTube members, Patreon supporters. Um, sorry, everybody else. Got to go to somebody. <laughs> uh, Got to give these guys something for being a YouTube member. So uh, yeah, look out for that. Look out for Chargers Analytics, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I mean, that's we did that a lot of that last year with uh, Game Pass and, and putting that on Patreon. So this year, the, you know, the YouTube members will, well, we'll see what happens with Game Pass. I'm not really sure if we're going to be able to keep doing that or not, uh, because the NFL does not know how to stream games and stream coaches' films. So we'll see. But obviously, stay tuned for that on YouTube and Patreon. Really excited about Arjun coming back for season two. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, of Arjun's of analytics with Arjun. So he's been doing great stuff. Um, I don't know if he's still in the chat or not, but um, he's got a podcast of his own with with Tej, his, his good buddy over there. So go check that out. Um, they're doing fantastic work. So uh, we'll be back for our normal episode on Wednesday after the Chargers next practice. Alex will be back with us um, that time as well. So we will uh, see you guys then. Bolt up. Have a good one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.